Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. We're going to start today in Matthew chapter 28 beginning in verse 19. Matthew 28, beginning in verse 19. If you did not receive a sermon card when you came in, you can put your hand up and someone will give you one at this moment. Uh, If everyone's got one, that is wonderful. All right? All right, in Matthew 28, beginning in verse 19, it says, Go therefore, someone say go, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, someone say lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. I want to preach a message to you today titled, Always Lo. Always Lo. Let me pray. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I thank you that He is... Lord of this church, that he builds his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So I thank you that the powers of darkness are defeated. The blood of Jesus testifies to its reality. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you come and make it so in hearts and minds and homes and marriages and situations. Do what only you can do. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. Glorify, glorify the risen King who alone is worthy of it all. For this will give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus to the apostles, I am always with you, even to the end. Isaac, I am with you. I will bless you and multiply you. Jacob, I am with you and will keep you where you go. Nation of Israel, I am with you. And because I am with you, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Jeremiah, I am with you to save you, to deliver you. Zerubbabel, Joshua the high priest, workers and rebuilders of the city, I am with you. Therefore, be strong and work. Paul, I am with you. Jesus, here in our text, after his resurrection, he tells the disciples, I am with you. Today we're going to look at this theme. The theme of I am always with you. Likewise, Jesus, if you're a follower of him, if you've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous light, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you can be certain that Jesus also says to you today, I am with you. Always, even to the end. Notice in Matthew 28, if we go a couple verses before what I just previously read in verse 16. Notice what Matthew says in his gospel account. He says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them 
to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Notice Matthew in his gospel account records that Jesus tells the 11 disciples. He tells them, he says, go to the mountain that Jesus had appointed for them. It's interesting. That Jesus had a mountain appointed for them. What is he speaking of? Well, he tells us in Matthew 26 and verse 32 that before the suffering of Jesus Christ, before His cross, as we'll celebrate and behold and look at this Friday for Good Friday, that Jesus told them in in Matthew 26 and 32, but after I've been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Then in Matthew 28 and verse 6, this is after Jesus has died, the two Marys, Mary of Magdalene and the other Mary, they come to the tomb where Jesus' body has been laid as Joseph of Arimathea has provided a tomb for Jesus. And they come and all of a sudden they encounter an angel. And the angel tells them in Matthew 28 and verse 6, He is not here. He is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. Verse 7, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. Verse 9, And as they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Notice that. There they will see me. What's he talking about? In the mountain that Jesus has appointed for them. In the mountain that Jesus tells the disciples even before his death that after I'm raised I will go before you. I will go into Galilee and there I will meet with you. This is what we see Mary and Mary Magdalene They're told by the angel, hey, go tell his disciples that he's going before them. See, listen, we don't just have something to tell unbelievers. We also, as followers of Jesus Christ, have something to tell other disciples. This is part of the discipleship process and part of what Jesus has mandated and commanded us to be a part of now that we're in his kingdom, now that we're his followers. And we see this, that the angel and then Jesus reiterates to the two Marys that you're to go and tell the disciples something. Hey women, look, the women were entrusted to tell, to minister, to share the word. That's good news. That you're empowered just like the men of God. You're empowered as women of God. You have something to tell. You have something to impart. You have something to share. And you see this with Mary Magdalene and Mary. They're to tell them, hey, Jesus is going before you. It's the same today. I want to tell you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, be assured that Jesus is going before you. 
He's going before you into seasons. He's going before you into circumstances. He's going before you to the mountain and to the places and the things that He has appointed for you. He's going before you. And notice it said that they are to tell the disciples not just that He's going before them, but watch this, that there they will see Him. That in the appointed place, the disciples will behold Him. In the appointed place, the disciples will encounter Him. It says that they run to bring His disciples' word. See, this is what you understand, need to understand that as we put in the team put cities and the amount of people that live in different cities as we're highlighting God's mission for His people. That in the kingdom, the kingdom's not just to grow by addition, it's also to grow by multiplication. You get addition when an unbeliever is told the good news. And they're transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light by responding through repentance from dead works and faith toward God through the Lord Jesus Christ. But you don't get multiplication until you have believers not just telling unbelievers, but believers telling other believers some things. This is what we see from this verse. That Mary and the the two Marys, they're empowered and commanded to go tell other believers something. This is the process of multiplication. In fact, in the New Testament, when it talks about what a life of now following Jesus looks like after His resurrection, there's over 60 commands of one anothering. Meaning the kingdom is going to expand as we as disciples minister to one another, to each other. We're to pray for one another, comfort one another, submit to one another. We're to encourage one another. We're to testify to one another. And this is what you see in the text. And as they run forward in doing what the angel tells them, they encounter Jesus. Is that not amazing? As they go to tell other disciples that those disciples will encounter Jesus in the appointed place, they themselves encounter Jesus. That's why I notice Matthew bring, uh, uh, mentions, he says, Behold, Jesus met them. As the two Marys, as they went, as they went in their going, as they went in their going, a part of the mandate and the mission and Jesus' process of making mature disciples of all nations, of all ethnicities, of people of all colors, of all races, in all places, as they go and they do their part in this process, behold, Jesus met them. He met them. What is Matthew drawing out for us? Here's what he's saying. He's wanting you and I, as we read the text, to behold where Jesus meets people. This is Missions March. We're talking about that we're on a mission. We've been sent on a mission. That God has a purpose for us as the body of Christ. And in that purpose, we don't want to just go and do what we think we need to do because there's not enough time, there's not enough talent, there's not enough resources, there's not enough people, there's not enough money for us just to go out and try everything. And so what Matthew is saying is, Hey, disciples, I'm wanting you as you read the text and you enter into the story of what took place, I'm wanting you to behold where Jesus meets people. Because as we behold where Jesus meets people, then we can be a part of the process of telling people where they can meet Jesus. Because listen, God has designed already places where He meets people. 
See, this goes against the very thing of America. We think that we can do whatever we want and then get the results that we want. It's not how it works. God's already designed some things of how it works. The sun don't have a choice whether it's going to rise on the west or rise on the east. There's some things that's already been designed. And Jesus has already designed some appointed places where he's wanting to meet people. He's wanting to meet you. He's wanting to meet your marriage. He's wanting to meet other people. Jesus has already designed some places. And in our going and in our serving, we're to tell other brothers and sisters where Jesus wants to meet them. This is what he says, behold. Behold the manner of how multiplication in our mission and multiplication in our serving can take place, how we can be more competent and more fruitful in what we do because we know where Jesus meets people and we seek to tell them. So as they went, they encountered Jesus. Notice he says, behold that. What's that mean? Listen, in your obedience to do what you know to do, behold that the same will happen to you. You'll encounter Jesus in that. It's as they went doing what they knew to do that they met Jesus there. See, sometimes we get so hung up, we get so paralyzed, we get so spin dizzy because we focus on what we don't know what to do. And in this account, Matthew's trying to get us to behold something. That when Mary, the two Marys did what they knew to do, it was in what they knew to do that they met Jesus that Jesus encountered them. I want to tell you, don't get so focused on what you don't know to do. Just get focused on what you know to do and in the place of your obedience of faith, what you know to do, Jesus will meet you there. See, it was the obedience of their faith we see because the angel told them, He's risen! They've not seen Him yet, Gil. But because they believed, the faith then led them to work. It was the obedience of their faith that as they went to tell and obey the word that Jesus met them, and it's the same for you. In your obedience to what you know to do, Jesus will meet you in that obedience. See it time and time again. Time and time again. And when he met them, watch this, what did he say? He said, rejoice. He said, rejoice. What does this mean? The first point I want us to apply and bring out of this text today. It's number one, in your running to serve and tell others, Jesus tells you to rejoice. See, Paul makes it very clear. If you're now a follower of Jesus Christ and you're in the kingdom of God, you have a race. You have a lane. You have a kingdom assignment. You have a purpose within the overall purpose of Jesus Christ and His mission. And what we're to see here is that in our serving others, in our telling others, we are to do it with joy. We're to do it with joy. We're not to do it unwillingly, complaining, criticizing, grumbling. He wants us in our serving and in our telling others to have joy. To have joy. Do you remember what happened when the two Marys are obeying what they know to do? Jesus meets them in their obedience of faith. Then you know what it says they do? They went and they held fast to Him and they worshiped Him. Here's the point. As you live on mission, and as you serve others, and you tell others the only hope of the nations and the only name under heaven by which men can be truly saved, truly delivered, truly made whole, that in your serving and telling others, listen, you need to hold fast to Jesus Christ and keep worshiping Him. Joyless service is often 
the manifestation of someone who's still running in their race and working for the Lord, but they're no longer holding fast to Him. They're no longer sitting at His feet. They're no longer spending time with Him. They're no longer... Uh, hearing Him. They're no longer worshiping Him. And what we see from this text is, as we've been talking all month about missions, that the Lord wants to say, hey, dwelling place, don't ever forget that in your serving, in your mission, in your going, that you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit called joy. That you allow your mission and your serving to flow out of the place of spending time with me and, and holding fast to me and worshiping me. You see the fruit of the Spirit, joy. He's saying stay in the Spirit in your running. Stay in the Spirit in your working. Stay in the Spirit in your telling. See, listen to me. I found that joyless service is most likely fleshly service. Meaning, joyless service is most likely service that we do depending on our own ability not conscious or aware of the Lord with us and in us. We do it out of obligation. We don't do it out of worship. We don't do it out of the overflow of our intimacy and time with Him. It's a John 15 issue where Jesus says, listen, there's a lot happening on the earth, but it's actually equaling nothing. Only... Only I can accomplish lasting kingdom fruit through you. But if you'll abide in me and let me abide in you, you'll bear much fruit, fruit that lasts and your joy will be made full. See, listen, we are fruitful runners, not frustrated runners. I need all of us to understand today that a people of the resurrection, as we get closer to Sunday coming, Resurrection Sunday, as people of the resurrection, we're not frustrated runners, we're fruitful runners. We're running, we're serving, we're telling, but we're doing it with the fruit of the Holy Spirit of joy. We're doing it rejoicing and it's flowing out of our worship and holding fast to the Lord. Secondly, I want to pull out of this text and application, we are to serve others by telling them where they will see Jesus. We're to serve other people to tell them where they will see Jesus. This is what the angels told the Marys and then when the Marys met Jesus in their obedience to the faith, Jesus told them the same thing. He said, go tell my disciples, there they will meet me. I want to tell you listening today that Jesus has a there for you. He's got a there for you. He's got a there for your marriage. He's got a there for me. He's got a there for this church. And in that there is where the Lord meets us. What are some of the theirs? What are some of these designs that God's already said, there I'll meet you? The first is in, in the tree. That's the cross. See, the cross, the tree of Calvary, is central to the proclamation of the gospel. It's the core, it's central. The death, burial, and resurrection is central to the proclamation of the gospel. You remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, but it said that people and circumstances in the crowd were seeking to crowd him out from encountering Jesus. But he looked ahead and he saw a tree. And he ran to the tree and he climbed up in it. And it says, there Jesus encountered him. I want to tell you that in the place at the cross, people can still meet Jesus there. It might seem like foolishness to the world. It might seem like foolishness to those that want seven steps to victory and 47 steps for a turnaround and those that just want principle living and not encounter the personhood of God. But I'm telling you, the cross still is the wisdom of God. It still is the power of God. And in that tree, the tree of Calvary, Jesus meets people. 
He'll meet you and the, me there as well. See, it's at the cross you see the personhood of God. You see the Father revealed. You see the Son revealed. You see the communion, the Holy Spirit revealed. But it's not just in the tree. It's not just in the cross that Jesus meets us because many of us have met Him there. And that cross has crossed out our old life and brought us into the new life of His kingdom. And yet we're still here. And as we're still here, Jesus still wants to meet us. Oh, thank God that our relationship with the Lord is not just built on one encounter and we got to wait till heaven to have some more encounters. I'm talking about Jesus wants to meet us even on our journey today. Hallelujah. He don't want to remain distant. He wants to be ever present. And what we go through, it's not just in the tree that we're to tell others that they'll see Jesus. It's also in the breaking of bread. Now in the strategy that God's called Dwelling Place Movement to and Dwelling Place Woodstock to, this is what we call in the strategy God's given us, grouping. Grouping. In the breaking of bread is another place where we're to tell people that they can meet Jesus there. We see this in Luke 24 and verse 30. They'll put it on the screens. Luke 24 and verse 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then, notice that. It means this didn't happen until what was mentioned first happened. It was in the grouping. It was in the breaking of bread. It was in the fellowship with each other. Verse 31, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight and they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? And then in verse 35, once they get to the other disciples, they tell the other disciples and they told about the things that had happened on the road. Watch this. And how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Another place that we're to tell others that you meet Jesus is in the fellowship in the breaking of bread with other saints, with other brothers and sisters, in the grouping, in the grouping. You know what this leads to? If we're to serve the Lord in our serving and our telling, and it's to lead to the fruit of joy, do you know what happens when we meet the Lord as we group in the breaking of bread with other brothers and sisters? you know what it leads to? Kingdom perception. It leads to perception. As we listen to how the Lord's working in other brothers and sisters, as we get around people that have different personalities than us and we observe and we listen, listen, it helps us grow in our perception that God is bigger than just us. Then God is bigger than just our personality and our liking. It helps us grow in perception. Grow in perception. So listen, grouping can facilitate gaining perception. But we're not just to serve others by telling them that they'll see Jesus in the tree and the breaking of bread, but also in the gathering together. And our strategy that the Lord's given us is called gathering. It's what you're a part of right now, gathering. You see this in Luke 24 and 36. That the disciples, or when the Mary, the two Marys, when they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. See that? Now as they said these things, Jesus himself, notice this, he stood in the midst of them and said to them, peace to you. As the Marys obeyed what the Lord instructed them to do and then as they communicated that word to the other disciples, then Jesus manifested and stood on the midst of them. 
Boy, that's powerful. What does it mean? It means when we gather together, we're not just here as a social event. We're gathered together so that when the word that the Lord has given Scripture is proclaimed, as we hear it proclaimed, then Jesus stands in our midst and guess what He says to us? He says, peace. This is the power of gathering together. You've had a difficult week. You've had a stressful week. You've had long hours. You've had things happen that were out of your control. You've got bad news. But we come in here and as we gather together and we hear the word of the Lord and His promises, Jesus stands right in the midst of us as we gather together as one family, as the children of God, and He says, peace. He says, peace to the storms. He says, peace to the waves. He says, peace to the wind. He releases peace. And that's why this is like an oasis. To come in, no matter what we've been through all week, and let Jesus stand right in the midst as His Word is proclaimed and speak peace to hearts and minds. Because Jesus is revealed through the preaching of the Word. He says, peace to us as we gather together. It's the fruit of peace. So we've seen so, so far the fruit of joy, the fruit of perception, the fruit of learning the personhood of God, the fruit of peace, and then also we're to in our serving and telling other people where they'll meet Jesus and see Jesus, we're to tell them in, in the growing together. In the growing together. What the Lord's given us at DP, our strategy, this is what we call growing. We do it primarily on Thursdays in growth phases. But when you think about Luke 24, 32, this gives you the context of it, the heart behind it. Notice what the disciples said, Did not our hearts burn within us while He talked with us on the road? while He opened the Scriptures to us. Notice that. He opened the Scriptures to us. What this means is you can have people that know a lot of Scripture, have memorized a lot of Scripture, been around Scripture the whole life, but until they grow together and Jesus opens the Scripture to them by revelation of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, their heart don't burn for Him. I know a lot of people that know a lot of Scripture. I know people that know Hebrew and Greek and yet their heart don't burn for Him. I know a lot of people sitting in churches all across this nation that heard of a lot of good things but their heart don't burn for him. It's not until we're in a context where we grow together and Jesus begins by the ministry of the Holy Spirit to open what we know up here and make it a revelation in here that our heart begins to burn. You know what the fruit of this growing together is? Love. That's why their heart burned. And you want to know what true love looks like? What it leads to? Jesus said, when you love me, when your heart burns for me, you obey me. You obey me. We don't obey Him because we've not had His love revealed to us yet in an area. His love empowers us to love Him. Notice it was in the growing together. You say, why is this so important? Let me put it this way. If, if the manifestation of loving Him looks like obeying Him, then why is growing together and opening the Scriptures and having a context for the Holy Spirit to reveal and give us revelation of what we read in Scripture? Because listen, you can't obey what you don't know. You can't give a kid in DP Kids a piece of paper and say color within the lines and there ain't no lines on the paper. We don't know what to do until we know what to do. Growing together, you see it. It leads to the fruit of love. But also we're to tell people where else the Lord wants to meet them. In their race and serving. Around here this is what we call giving and gifting teams that we're to serve and use our gifts and 
give of our time and give of our talents and give of our spiritual gifts and give of our resources in the serving of others. You remember in Matthew 28, 7 when the angel appeared to the Marys and said, go quickly and tell the disciples? Remember the next verse? Watch this. So they went out quickly. <laughs> and because they went out quickly, their obedience to their faith to what they were instructed to do, listen, it says they went out quickly with fear and great joy. What you see is you tell people, listen, in your serving, in your giving, and, and using your gifts that the Lord's giving you, there the Lord will meet you. It leads to the fruit of self-control and the fear of the Lord. Notice the angel said, go quickly and tell. You know what they did? They went quickly to tell. What's that called? That's the fruit of self-control. They didn't say, well, you know what? You know, it's, it's, it's no big deal if I just wait a little bit. See, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 that God has set His members in the body as He has pleased. It says that the Holy Spirit has given spiritual gifts to us as He has willed. So when we understand this about our giving and gifting teams and the gifts God's given us, it leads to self-control and fear of the Lord. Listen, I'm not to run your race and run your lap. God's given me gifts. He's given me ways that He wants me to serve others. And He's given you gifts that He wants to empower you to serve others. And when we understand that, it leads to the fear of the Lord and the reverence on what He's gifted us and called us to and how we are to have a reverence and self-control in that. And then lastly, you know where we're to tell brothers and sisters that they, the Lord wants to meet them? In their mountain. In their mountain. The strategy the Lord's given us, this is what's called going. So we have gathering, we have growing, we have grouping, we express giving and gifting teams, and it's all to serve our going. Notice Matthew 28, 16. Then the 11, the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. You know Jesus also has a mountain appointed for you? And just like He met those disciples in their mountain, He wants to meet you there in the mountain. What does the mountain mean for us? It means our career and our job field. In the mountain of culture that God has sent you into, in that place, the Lord wants to meet you there. See, listen, every field of industry does not exist, does not exist, okay, for man's glory. It exists for God's glory, except industries that have only been birthed from sin that can't be redeemed or used for the glory of God, like selling drugs, you know. You can't redeem that from God. Well, I'm a drug dealer. I'm a drug dealer for God. Well, it don't work that way. <laughs> but listen, all the other fields of industry, they don't exist to glorify man. They exist to reveal and glorify God. To glorify God. So if you're in the science field, if you're in the technology field, if you're in a teacher, if you're in architecture, if you're a builder, if you're in construction, if you're in landscape, if you're in fashion... Listen, those fields exist for the glory of God. But you remember this? When the two Marys went and told the disciples that in the mountain, in the place that God has appointed for them, Jesus would meet them there. Listen, some worshipped and some doubted. And I know when I say that in this place, it's the same. That when I say that the Lord wants to meet you there in your career field, in the place of work, in the job field, in the industry He's put you, there's some that's worshiping Him in there and they see the Lord and they, they get the rest of this message. But there's some of you right now, you're doubtful of it. And I want to tell you, tell you today, doubt no more. Of course you will encounter and see Jesus uh, in, in your place. 
If you're an architecture, well, guess who the great architect is? God. Guess who framed the heavens and sent the sun and the stars and all that in orbit? It's God. So of course you can meet Jesus in architecture. God is the great architect. You say, I'm a teacher. How in the world can I encounter God in my industry? Well, Jesus is the great rabbi. He's the great teacher. So you can encounter Him because He is the great teacher. You say, I'm in fashion. Well, yeah, well, God clothed Adam and Eve in the garden. Fashions for the glory of God. Of course you can encounter God in that industry. You say, I'm in science. Well, God's the creator of science. The point is, is that it's in the mountain of culture, in the industry that Jesus has went before you and sent you into. He wants to meet you there. He wants to meet you there. I think of Edward Smither who uh, in studying early Christianity and evangelism and missions in the early church after really the apostles' death. He said, an apparent spirit of early Christian evangelism is this. Christians testify to their eternal hope from their position as fully committed citizens in their earthly city. It means how do we testify of our eternal hope? right in our appointed mountain. As citizens who live in this region, as workers in that same company, it's in our appointed sphere in career and industry that we testify that the name above every name is Jesus. The only way to experience the mercy and the salvation of God is revealed in Jesus. We testify to our eternal hope. That is how... The gospel multiplied in the early church. They didn't just all huddle up in one city and tell the rest of the world come to them. No, no, no. In their appointed mountain, they met Jesus there because they understood Jesus said, I go before you and I'll meet you there. And as they beholded Jesus in their field, in their workplace, the spirit of life, Christ, began to influence those unbelievers in the same field. He wants to do it again and again and again. Can I hear an amen? Brings us back to Matthew 28 and 18. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Roman numeral 1 is always go. Notice Jesus says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. If you've been around here for a while, you understand that the command there is not go. The command is make in the original language, in Greek language. Go is a present participle. It means that it's already expecting that we will be going. Because Jesus, when He calls people to follow Him, He calls them to follow Him. And you don't follow a person and sit. You follow a person and you go. You're following. So it's already apparent that we are sent people, we're on a mission, we're always on the go. The issue is, is many of us, though we're to be always on the go, we don't live with that no. We don't live with that awareness. We begin to compartmentalize life. We have Sunday where we're on the go. We're going to go and we're going to experience the peace of God as we gather together. Or we're going to grow on Thursdays and open Scripture together. But the rest of the time when we're at work, when we're in the neighborhood, when we're going through the supermarket, that's like a separate thing. But no, no, Jesus says you're always on the go. 
You're to live with this mentality that you're always a person with a purpose. You're always a person that is sent. You're always on mission. On mission. And just like the disciples were told, listen, Jesus went before you. He's going to meet you in that appointed place. Here's what we also tell other brothers and sisters. Jesus has gone before His disciples not only to the earthly mountains of culture we're called into, but Jesus also has went ahead of us to the Mount Zion, to the heavenly city, to heaven, to the place that He said He's preparing for us. And also we will meet Him there. That yes, I don't know what season you're in or what you're going through, but we still have the hope that Jesus that paved the way back into the Father's presence, that we're following in His footsteps back to the Mount Zion, to the heavenly city, and that one day we're going to see Jesus face to face in heaven and we're going to be reunited with all the saints of God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Hallelujah! Paul said, always encourage one another with these words that Jesus has went before us into heaven and we're going to see Him there in that appointed place in the Mount Zion. But on our way to heaven, we are always to be on the go. What's that mean? We're to be about the mandate to make disciples. This is to be our mentality. This is to be our framework. And it's not just sometime, listen, the whole time we are sent. The whole time. I don't know what is your time right now. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know whether you're in a season of suffering and a season of victory and a season of rest. I don't know what season you're in, but here's the point. You're always on the go. You're always sent. And Jesus went before you and Jesus is with you even in whatever season you're in. Woo! That's the good news. See, this is why we had Missions Week. That Missions Week, the Holy Spirit would use to spark in you a missions walk. That you would live with an always go. That wherever you're at, you're living with the mentality, I'm always sent on mission. The Lord's always went before me. He went before me in this restaurant. He went before me in this job. He went before me in this season. And because He went before me, He's ready to meet me right in the midst of what I'm going through. But we're to live with an always go. This is why Peter in 1 Peter 5.10, he says, But may the God of all grace who called us to His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Watch this. After you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. You're sent the whole time. Through the whole process that Peter speaks about, you're still sent. And the suffering, and the settling, the whole time you're still sent and still mandated to live with and always go. The go of making disciples. And the whole time He's went before you. He went before you into the season of suffering. He went before you into the season of being established. He went before you in the process of being settled. Listen, you're always sent. That's why I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 85 and 13. He says, righteousness will go before Him and shall make His footsteps our pathway. He went before you into that appointed place. He went before you into the season you're going through. Whether it's a season of suffering, a season of settling, a season of being made mature, a season of being established, Jesus went before you. Therefore, you're always sent. I want to tell you today, in the suffering, you're still sent. I want to tell you today, in the process of being perfected and made mature, you're still sent. 
I want to tell you if you're being established and you're in the process of being built up and becoming stronger and more victorious, you're still sin. I want to tell you that if you're in the place of strength and in the place of victory today, you're still sin. I want to tell you if you've got some matters that need to be settled, that in the settling, you're still sin. That in every season at all times, you are still sin and we're to live with an always go. I think about Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence was born Nicholas Herman. He was born in the region of Lorraine, located in modern-day eastern France. As a young man, Herman's poverty forced him into joining the army. It guaranteed him meals and a small stipend. During this period, Herman claimed an experience that set him on a unique spiritual journey. He fought in the Thirty Years' War. Following an injury, he left the army and served as a valet. But in June 1640, Nicholas joined the discalced Carmelite Priory. A priory is a religious house in Paris. He entered the priory as a lay brother. And he, and he spent the rest of his life in this community where his primary assignments were working in the kitchen and in his years later repairing sandals. Despite his lowly position in life, and the priory, his character attracted many to him. He had a reputation for experiencing profound peace and visitors came to seek spiritual guidance from him. He was called Lawrence of the Resurrection. He says, it says about him, Brother Lawrence declared that he felt much closer to God in his day-to-day activities than most people ever believed to be possible. He did what he called practicing the presence of God. No matter what he was doing, no matter where he was at, he defined this practice as the presence of God is the concentration of the soul's attention on God, remembering, watch this, that He is always present. Woo, that sounds like the Great Commission, don't it? And lo, I am always with you even to the end of the age, even in the season you're in, even if it's a season of suffering, a season of being established, a season of being settled, even in whatever you're at, I'm with you. And I went before you, Jesus says. Why is this important? Because listen, we're also a people of the resurrection. Because we're a people of the resurrection, in the season of suffering, we're still sent. And because we're still sent, our response to the suffering can be sent as a witness to potential disciples watching. Living with an always go. Because in strength, you're still sent. Our recognition that Jesus is our strength can become sin as a testimony to potential disciples watching. Because in the settling, you're still sent. Your rest that Jesus is your victory can become sent as a demonstration to potential disciples. Here's the point I'm making. Responses, recognition, and rest are fruits from having the Lord sanctified in your heart. That responses, recognition, and rest are fruits of living, not just with the mental, but with an always-go mentality, and an always know that He's with you and He went before you, no matter what season it's in. In one of Brother Lawrence's letters, 
Most historians, all of them would agree that he's speaking of himself. He just didn't want to say it. But he says, my friend says that by dwelling in the presence of God, he has established such a sweet communion with the Lord that his spirit abides without much effort in the restful peace of God. In this center of rest, he is filled with a faith that equips him to handle anything that comes into his life. See, some of you are trying to believe God. You're trying to follow the father of faith, Abraham, but you're forgetting Romans 4.17. You know why Abraham was able to believe God despite whatever season he was going through? It says that in God's presence, he believed God. See, listen, when you abide in his presence and live with an awareness that he's always with you, he's always went before you, and as we're going to mention, he's also in you, then faith can fill your heart. It's very difficult to let faith fill your heart in whatever season you're in when you're not living with an always go and an always know that He's with you and went before you. But Brother Lawrence, a brother of resurrection, just like we're a people of resurrection, we're to live with the reality that He's resurrected and because He's resurrected, He is with me and He's went before me. Yes, He went before me even in this season. I know it hurts. I know it's difficult. I know you have questions, but He's went before you and He's with you. This reminds me of 1 Peter 3.15. Peter says, but sanctify. Yeah, there's a lot of seasons. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Yes, there's a lot of activities. Some exalted by man, some despised by man. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart. Sanctify means set apart. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. In fact, I was talking to my son Caleb just the other week about the scripture because Caleb likes Ravi Zacharias. And Ravi's based out of here in Atlanta. And will catch his radio show on the radio often when we're together. He'll say, turn it up, Dad. I'll turn it up. Well, I'll ride up to the next person. They'll be bumping music. I'll be bumping Robbie Zacharias. He's discipling my kid right there in the car. But I was talking to him, and I said, do you understand who Robbie is? And he knows he's a Jesus follower. I said, but no, Robbie, Caleb is an apologist. Apologist. And I said, that means he makes his living defending the hope and the faith we have in Jesus to people of other religions, to leaders of other religions. And I said, it comes from right here, 1 Peter 3.15. Always be ready to give a defense. Defense in the Greek is apologia. It's where we get the word apologist. Meaning we're all to be always ready to give a defense for the hope. Hope. But that sounds like a high calling, don't it? Well, it is, but it sounds like too far beyond what we can do. To always be ready? To always be ready? And the question becomes, how can I always be ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you? There's the key. The reason you can always be ready is because the true hope is always with you. <laughs> the reason you can always be ready is because the true hope, Jesus Christ, is always with you. Watch this. And He's always in you. That's what Paul said. Colossians 1, 27, The mystery among you Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's like the other day I was in my office and I got a call into the, the uh, discipleship process happening in another part of the house. It's called homeschool. My wife leads that process. And I got called to that part of the house and 
she said, we need some help with Caleb's math. She said, he's dealing with fractions, and I, I, I'm not real good at math, and we need your help. I said, okay. Well, I looked at it, and I'm coming out of, you know, the office. I'm coming out of preparation to preach and teach. And so I look, and I start reading, and I'm seeing, because in my framework, I've been in the office, pastor's office. In my fr- framework, I read the question as, what denomination is it? I thought, dear God, is it Southern Baptist? Is it Methodist? Is it Pentecostal? What denomination? And it's, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. That's denominator. And, and I, I thought, wait a minute. Is the denominator, is that the top part or the bottom part of the fraction? Here's my point. I don't walk through life with the framework of always thinking about mathematics. So when I got called on by my wife to do something that's third grade level, though I did finally, by God's grace, finish my undergrad, I wasn't ready to speak to it because my mind doesn't always think about mathematics. How can we always be ready? You live with an always go. Don't matter what season, don't matter what place, don't matter where I'm at, what I'm going through, I live with an always go. That I'm sent on mission, I'm a person with a purpose, and He has went before me, and He is with me, and He is in me, and therefore I am prepared at any moment because He's there and He's in me. Can I hear an amen? So we're not just to live though with an always going and always know that He's went before us and He's with us. We're also to live with an always low. In conclusion, Casey, you can come on. Let me talk to you about always low. Remember Matthew 20 verse 20? Notice what he says. Teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. Listen, that's the go part. You're always to live being a part of this process of seeing the nations discipled and taught to observe all that the king of all the nations has asked Jesus. But then Jesus says there's an and. So I'm not just to live with an always go and an always know that He's went before me and He's with me and in me. He also says, and lo. Low. I mean, some of the only lows you know is J-Lo and keep it on the down low. And What's this low thing? Well, listen, low is a Greek word that means behold. And I've found that it's people who always live with an always go that has a consistent awareness of knowing He's always with them and in them who begins to experience an always low. What I'm saying is this. They begin to observe in their daily life as they live with an always go and an always know that He is with them and in them they begin to observe practically Jesus manifesting and revealing Himself in different ways, different moments, and in different situations. I can tell you this, that probably just in the the time of when God called Michelle and I to leave what was known and to begin to follow Him to what He's called Dwelling Place Movement to be, and He began to deal with us coming out of large churches where I didn't have to live with this mentality, and He began to establish in our life a mentality of always go and always know that I experienced moments of beholding Him and encountering Him practically and seeing Him manifest in my daily life more than all the previous years before. Because this is what I found. It is disciples who live missionally. 
that have more opportunities to observe the truth that Jesus is always with them. It's one thing to live with and always go. It's another thing to live with and always know that He went before you, He's with you and in you. It's another thing to always low and see Jesus manifest and reveal Himself in places you never thought He would. That He would never, you never thought He'd reveal Himself in suffering or in Starbucks or in conversations or on sidewalks or on the job or at family gatherings. But you began to have kingdom encounter with Jesus after another. And I could sit down and write story after story after story of how living now with an always go and an always know has led to so many always low beholding that he was with me and I wasn't even aware of it but then he manifested all times and all seasons he's there with you, he went before you, he's in you this is the beholding beholding He's with you in your finances. He's with you in your decision making. He's with you in your conversations. He's with you in your suffering. He's with you in the season. Where the truth of that knowledge manifested and you have encounter after encounter with the king of the kingdom and the invisible kingdom becomes visible in your daily practical moment. It's always love. See, Brother Lawrence said, if I were a preacher, I would preach nothing but practicing the presence of God. What he's saying is, is that getting people to live with and always go and always know gets them more prepared to behold the Lord move. Right where they're at. Right in what they're going through. Why is this important? I'll tell you why. Some of you have been believers for 10 years, 15 years, 75 years, 71, 4 months, 7 years, whatever it is. And you say, look, listen, I know, I know He's with me and I know He went before me, but I'm not changing. Listen, you don't change until you're low. You don't change until what you know you behold in the moment. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3.18, You're only transformed into the image of Jesus as you behold Him. See, I want to tell you, you say, well, why haven't I been changing? Because you've not yet learned that you can behold Him in whatever season you're in. Not just in the good times, not just in the high times, not just on the mountaintops, but in the valleys and the suffering and the process and the settling and the establishing. At all times, He's went before you, He is with you and in you. And if you'll behold Him, He'll change you no matter what season you're in, no matter what part of the process you're in. You'll be being conformed to Him. And I I know some of you, you might be going in. Some of you, you might be going through. Some of you, you might be going over. And you ask the question, Pastor Chad, what am I to do when I'm going through and I'm going in and I'm going over? I'm going to tell you, you low. You begin to have an expectation that you're going to be, get, be able to behold Jesus even in that season. Some of you are going into a new job. You're going into a new career. You're going into a new marriage. You're going into a new context. And you say, what am I to do? And then I'm going into something new. I'm going into the, this new mountain. I'll tell you what to do. Low. Because you're always sent. He always goes before you. He's always with you. And He's always in you. Begin to expect to see Him revealed to you in ways you've never seen and encountered Him before. 
Remember the disciples are about to go into the harvest field? They say, oh man, there's four months. You know what Jesus said? Behold! Behold! It's already ready for harvest. You know why? Because He was with them. See, there's things that the Lord's been speaking to us and trying to reveal Himself in for years in our life. But we don't encounter Him in it because we're not living with an always go and an always know that He's with us. He's went before us. He's in us. And therefore, we miss moments to always low and encounter Him. To encounter the supernatural kingdom of God breaking into the natural, common, mundane things of life. Where it becomes a practice of experiencing His presence and awareness of Him. Some of you, you're going through. Some of you are not in your final mountain. You're not in your career field. You're not in the final place that the Lord's going to have you labor in. And, and what you're currently in, you're going through it. You're not just coming into it. It's not new. Now it's become mundane. Now it's become ordinary. Now it's become routine. What do you do when you're going through something? You low. You still behold that the Lord has went before you. He's with you and He's in you. And the whole time you're sent. He's using even where you're at to be sent as a witness to those around Him. If you'll live with then always go and always know and get prepared to always low and encounter Him. Some of you are you're going over the mountain. You're in a place where now the hand of God's beginning to exalt you. You're, you're being elevated. Favor's coming upon you in your area, in your workplace, in your career, in your field. And you now look like you're in a place of strength, a place of victory. What do you do when you're going over you low? You live with an always go and always know that He went before you. He's with you. He's in you. You can begin even in your victory to behold and encounter Him in ways that you can encounter Him and behold Him in your suffering. Likewise, in your suffering, you can behold and encounter Him in ways that you can encounter and behold Him when you're in your exaltation and in your victory. But all times are sinned. And I don't know what season you're in. But I know this, you're a person of the resurrection if you're a child of God. We're to live with a new framework. We're to live with an always go and an always know that Jesus has went before you. Jesus is with you and Jesus is in you. Therefore, in whatever season, whether you're growing in, going through, or going over, you can behold Jesus and encounter Him. His kingdom can break in. Here's the point. You remember it's after the resurrection. Two disciples are walking with Jesus. They're walking with Jesus, but they don't recognize Him. They're still seeing life through the lens before the cross or at the cross. They've not learned to see life now on the pulse side of the resurrection. They don't know that they're resurrected people. You're in Christ. You've been resurrected to a new life. You're a new creation. You're created righteous and holy. But you have to now get a new framework to see life as a person of the resurrection. And because He was resurrected, there is nothing that can keep His Spirit out. I want to tell you, you can't lock God out. I don't care you take the Ten Commandments out. People say God's locked out. You can't lock God out of any place. Because Jesus is the resurrected Spirit and He's Lord over all, over all nations. And as disciples, He always goes before us. He's always with us and He's always in us and we can behold Him in any season. I don't know what season you're in, but I want you to know. I want you to live with it and always go and I want you to begin to expect that whatever season is, whether it's a great season, a difficult season, a season of suffering and settling, that the Lord wants you to be able to behold and encounter His kingdom right in the midst of where you're at. And as you behold Him, it will transform you more into the image you behold. 
That's why you can live for so many years knowing Scripture, going through things, and never change because the change doesn't happen until you lo and behold Him in the moment. In the moment. He's with you. And because He's with you, Scripture says, though they fight against you, they shall not prevail. Because He's with you, He's with you to save you and to deliver you. Tony, you can come. Because He's with you, you can be strong and you can work in what the Lord's put before you. Because He's with you, God says, I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. I will bless you. I will multiply you. I will keep you wherever you go. And therefore, since He'll keep you wherever you go, you can live with an always go. You can live with an always know. And you can begin to expect that right in the midst of wherever you're at, the kingdom can break in. The king of the kingdom is with you. He went before you. He lives in you. And He's Lord over all. Hallelujah. We're a people of the resurrection. We're a people of an unstoppable kingdom. When we live like this, listen, fruit begins to show up in our life. The fruit of joy. The fruit of the right perception. The fruit of love. The fruit of the fear of the Lord and self-control. And that is attractional to people around us. Fruit's got a scent for a reason. It's to get people's attention. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.